Well, US producer prices came in higher than expected overnight, and that's pushed Treasury yields higher. Whilst the weekly jobs data shows only slight moves in the easing of the labour market, inflation is proving hard to beat. But you might think Australia's employment numbers yesterday showed that the economy was taking a hit and maybe the RBA could back off a little. You can expect Philip Lowe is going to face questions just like that in front of the House of Reps Economics Committee today. But maybe those numbers yesterday weren't all they appeared. We'll delve into that today. It's Friday, the 17th of February 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, Treasury yields continue to edge higher. Six basis points added to 10-year Treasuries, up to 3.86%. Two years got over 4.68% overnight, not far below that now, actually. Not much movement in Europe, though, but in Oz, yields well up. 10 years now at 3.82% on futures. That's seven basis points higher than where they finished yesterday. And a bad session for US equities. The Dow down 1.3%, the S&P down 1.4%. The Nasdaq down 1.8%, whereas shares in Europe are up. The FTSE and the DAX both closed up 0.2%. The Eurostox 50 up 0.4%. The US dollar has been down a little for most of the session, but it edged back up, marginally up at uh, uh, right now on the DXY. It's up half percent on the Canadian dollar. The Aussie down a third of 1% at 68.8 US cents. Oil is heading down. Brent down 0.8%, now at 85 or just below 85 a bar- barrel. Uh, Copper is up a fair bit, but bond yields way higher. That is the story this morning. Ten-year treasuries got to their highest level in a month. Why? Well, let's discuss that with NAB's Ken Crompton, who joins me this morning from Sydney. So, Ken, it was the US producer prices what done it for January, up 0.7% month-on-month. I mean, they were falling in December, but this is the highest month-on-month growth since last June. That is a number that if you're wanting inflation to be coming down, this is a number that seems to be going the wrong way. Yeah, good morning, Phil. The PPI does seem to be the, the major culprit behind the bond moves overnight. I mean, there was a, a, a few other sort of strong US data indicators as well. So continuing the general theme of, of US data, you know, continuing to, you know, I guess, continuing to, to surprise the upside and, and buoy bond yields a little bit. I mean, the, the PPI is, is often something that can be relatively easily dismissed, but I think, um, you know, in a, in a month where you've got the headline indicator up, you know, sort of, uh, you know, 0.3 or, you know, nearly double effectively what, what the consensus was, and even the core is, is a fair bit stronger, it, it's going to get some attention. We did see that in bond yields overnight. I mean, reading some of the analysis and looking at the data, there's plenty of ways to be able to to justify looking through various bits and pieces of it. Um, you, know, um, you know, used car margins, or sorry, well, car auto margins in general were, were a big component of it. Um, obviously, those are still coming off their, their highs of, of last year, so you can argue that's going to fade. Um, the fact that you had that, um, you know, nearly 20% month-on-month increase in auto sales, maybe that's a warm weather thing again, like so much else that we can point to lately. But, um, yeah, but sure, you can talk about weather, you can talk about seasonals, you can point to a few different things, but we have seen a very strong run of US data over the past month, yeah, including exactly. these, these PPI yeah. numbers. At, at some point, we've got to stop uh, listing the excuses uh, or the reasons and say, putting all of this together, it seems like there's a picture that's going in a direction we don't want to go in, isn't it? And yet, uh, the Philly Fed Manufacturing Index, it's gone from minus 8.9 to minus 24.3. So that was a big drop, the biggest fall in three years. We, and a lot of that was a drop in new orders. So that's a sign that the economy 
is starting to slow. The downside, unfortunately, was prices paid has gone up a little from 24.5 to 26.5, which we wouldn't want to see. Yeah, so te- teasing out that, that level of detail, it does sort of show a couple of things moving where you probably don't want them to. But, um, you know, these regional mm. Fed surveys you know, are, are very volatile. I think once again, we've had this yo-yoing around the, um, you know, the, the, the neighbouring Empire State Index, which was, you know, which was relatively strong. So, um yeah, yeah, bit, 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 um, bit, bit dangerous to read too much into in, in, into these surveys, and I guess the market sort of focused more on where things were were stronger overnight. Okay, and, and similarly, I mean the job, those weekly jobless claims, and they are every week, so of course they're going to be uh, volatile. But if we look at continuing jobless claims, they are up. But if you look at the four week average, those claims are up by five hundred. <laughs> and America is a big country, so they're up a quarter percent, basically, although, you know, claims had been coming down, but the Fed wants to see the market less tight. So sadly, of course, they want to see those claims go up uh, and it's not happening quickly. Yeah, had a 194K for uh, for jobless claims last week. Um, yeah, a touch softer than consensus again. And once again, this is another area where um, people have been pointing to Sort of the the warm weather during January is potentially you know sort of messing with the seasonal adjustment a bit, but um, you know yeah. this this uptick that that we've been waiting for in, in in jobless claims isn't quite starting to happen yet, and you know you marry that with that very strong payrolls print that we got at the beginning of the month, and um, yeah you can sort of see yeah, the US is, is is another place where there's just not that much labour um, you know, labour market weakness coming through coming through yet. Yeah, well, I mean, if you add it on top of that and say, well, these are more recent numbers, it is a concern, isn't it? And, uh, you know, just add it to the list of, of you know, that there's no real sign of uh, the labour market loosening enough and uh, inflation falling away fast enough. So, so Loretta, Loretta Mester from the Cleveland Fed saying overnight that the income incoming data has not changed her view, that they need to take the Fed funds rate above 5%. And hold it there for some time. I mean, this is where markets are pricing it right now, isn't it? But maybe not the part about holding it for some time, but certainly getting over 5%. Yeah, markets are pricing for it to get there. And I think the other interesting with her comments too, which did focus a lot on on the strength of the labour market, was that she she said that she saw a compelling case for a fifty percent increase to be pushed through at the last meeting, yeah, which would have got you to that, um, which would have got you to the, the top end of the range to five percent already. So quite a quite a hawkish stance from uh, from, from Loretta there. I mean, you know, she's a non-voter this year, but still, you know, it does sort of show there is a, a there is not necessarily a, a consensus view in the Fed that slowing down to, to twenty five is the you know, is, is 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 the consensus path at this point. There are a few other hawks in the room. So. Talking about labour market. Markets. So the Australian labour market, well, it looked like it was uh, starting to ease a little. If we believe those employment numbers yesterday, uh, those numbers were expected to rise after the fall in December. Instead, well, that December number was revised down even further. And then January fell as well, what you might call a big downside surprise. But I understand, uh, look underneath the bonnet, those numbers can be a little bit deceiving. Yeah, we're seeing some continued um, sort of continued difficulties in, in analysing data in the post-COVID period here. So certainly, if you look at that, the headline numbers there with the drop in employment, um, you know, the, the increase in the unemployment rate from 3.5 up to 3.7, and, um, you know, the market took that initially as being quite a quite a weak number we saw a big jump sorry a big fall sorry in in bond yields on the on the release of that data but you know sort of digging into it and teasing out some of the details a bit more um, you know I think there was an unusually large number of people that were marked that, that, that responded to the survey saying I'm you know I, I'm about to start a job you know sort of relatively relatively soon 
Um, as well as that, we also saw there was a lot of people away on annual leave in January, much more so than is was the case pre-COVID. So what that would sort of seem to do, if, if you adjust the numbers um, and take those people who said they were about to start work, you know, which was nearly um, you know, 275,000 people were in that category. So they're not counted as employed. They're also not in the labour force because they aren't looking for work because they have one to go to for the most part. If you, if you put them back in the mix, you would have instead got a, you know, a 61,000 growth in employment you know, rather than the negative 11 that we had published. So assuming those people start work in February or, or soon as they have indicated they're going to, then we're expecting a quite a significant mm. rebound in February in, um, you know, in, in in total employment, and probably see a little bit of a a little bit of a retracement of that unemployment rate increase as well. So that's sort of why we're, we're right. sort of keen to look through it. I mean, the, the market, the 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 losses, sorry, the, the the gains for for bonds off the back of that release or, or rates in general, they tended to be sticky through the day. So the market hasn't really sort of come around to that viewpoint yet. But um, yeah, but, but but we think that that's that's going to be the the outcome of it at this will be a bit of a statistical anomaly in the end. And a big chunk of it may be, you know, after COVID, yeah, we have returned to that. Uh, remember the olden days when everyone used to link up Christmas with uh, with Australia Day and had uh, a bonds of summer holiday in those in those days. You could use that word in those days as well. But I mean, maybe we're going back to that. maybe we're going back to that a little bit just for this year because we can because everyone wants to get outside. So I mean, yeah, that would understand explain the anomaly, wouldn't it? So uh, we'll see we'll see how that shakes out. But obviously, the markets are not expecting that this is going to change one jot. The RBA's latest hawkish stance: we're still going to get three. 25 uh, basis point uh, rises in a row. Yeah, that's well. That, that's an ab forecast, at least, that we're going to get um, get get three rate increases mm. out of the next three meetings. The markets, um, you know, mark, market pricing did fall a tiny bit off that um, off that labour force release yesterday, as I said, and and arguably we are actually a little bit ahead of the market in terms of how quickly we think we're going to get to 4.1. The markets not think it's until September. Obviously, we think it's going to be in May. So. Yeah, market's not not quite with us yet, but um, but yeah, no no change to that view out of the labour force yesterday. That's for sure. Given that that rebound, we think we can see in Feb. Yeah, well, uh, we saw the the Melbourne Institute's consumer inflation expectations. We got those yesterday as well, from five point six percent in January down to five point one percent in February. Interesting, they're going down while the RBA has been trying to uh, push expectations that uh, it's going to take longer to 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 get down. But actually, they sort of met in the middle, haven't they? Because the RBA expects to see it uh, sort of below. 5% by the end of the year, 4.75, 4.8%, which is not too far from where consumers see it at 5.1%. Uh, but uh, talking about the RBA, Philip Lowe, uh, he's going to get a grilling again today. He's in front of the House of Reps Economics Committee. Uh, I mean, is there anything he can add? I mean, it is just uh, pure theatre, isn't it, really? I mean, and, you know, grandstanding politicians and all that sort of stuff. But he does get a chance to, uh, you know, deliver a monologue at the beginning. So I wonder if he'll uh, have any anything in there that'll be of interest. Yeah, I mean, the op- that, that opening speech, you know, well, we'll get the, the details of that as soon as he starts speaking, or the text of that, I should say. So, you know, that, that'll be a bit more... The- Means the RBA is a bit more in control of the narrative for at least that part of the of the session today than they were in those hearings on Tuesday. So, yeah, effectively that's that's probably just going to be a restatement of the SNP for the most part, and we're expecting, you know, a reinforcement of that relatively hawkish tone that that did come out of the the February meeting and the and the SNP. Um, 
you know, beyond beyond that in, into the Q and A, you know, no doubt there will be a, a, a revisiting of the of the headlines around the governor's um, governor's lunch last week, or all, all those sort of things. But I mean, what we'll be looking for primarily will be um, sort of any nuance he'll offer around his you know, around his hawkish statement, around the relatively hawkish stance they've taken, and and seeing, you know. I imagine there will be some questions thrown at him regarding this labour force um, print yesterday, given um, given that would sort of play into the sympathies of, of, of politicians who are, who are arguing that, um, that that the RBA is sort of unnecessarily hurting some parts of the of the household sector. So that'll that'll later get raised. And I guess we'll get a, a view of the RBA's initial response to that data as well, which which I suspect could well be something similar to to, to what our weekend team is thinking. And, and, and the wrong answer from Philip Lowe won't be, uh, they have got jobs, it's just they're having a longer holiday this year. Uh, that would probably not be the way to handle that that, 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 <laughs> that particular one. Uh, look, uh, tonight, uh, Loretta Mestre again, I think she said it all uh, overnight anyway, didn't she? You know, 5% for longer, basically. Uh, the Fed's barking is going to be talking as well. Uh, UK retail sales for January. Uh, if there's one thing we've learned about retail numbers... Uh, over the last few months, they can be a bit all over the place because of seasonality, uh, you know, sales, stock levels. But I mean, retail sales in the UK, if we look at it in volume terms, they have been going down for a long time since since last April. So it's going to be no surprise if they go down again. Yeah, that, that, that's that's the the expectation is continued continued weakness there. I mean, you know, the BOE mm. has been sort of relatively at the at the forefront of warning all the way through the cycle. Actually, has been at the forefront of warning of what's to come. You know, after this tightening. And even overnight, actually, there's been a few comments by um, by Hugh Pill out on the wires, you know, discussing mm-hmm. the the potential for sort of further further softness as rate increases start to continue to bite. He's sort of warning that the, the full effect hasn't been hasn't been seen yet. So certainly, he's very cautious of the, of the downside there as well. You know, you haven't seen too much of a differentiated right. response from UK bond markets into that. They've sort of been following the global trends for the most part, but um, but you know, the, the BOE still certainly yeah, out there highlighting that softer case. In fact, even the ECB overnight actually we saw um, Fabio Panetta was out um, you know, sort of offering a bit of a differentiated view on um, you know, obviously Christine Lagarde and other members have said you know, 50 points is locked in the next meeting you know, he's sort of cautioning against being so so rigid so there are there are a few doves out there in the in the central bank mm. world relatively well, speaking so. well yeah well the RBNZ of course have been accused of being very hawkish and they've been carrying it all through but will they become a little bit more dovish because of the cost of Cyclone Gabrielle and the impact that that's having on the economy could that see them actually uh, downgrade their expectations for their rate hike for next week yeah, our BNZ colleagues put out a have put out a note on, on on what they think the impact over there is is going to be for some of the macro numbers, and yeah, they're still leaning towards the B, the RBNZ uh, hiking fifty basis points this time around. I mean, you know, you, the the interaction is um, is is quite complex when you do get widespread natural disasters. Um, you know, obviously. T- um, you know, you, you do get a massive increase in in demand due to the due to the rebuilding rebuilding effect, um, which is spread across you know, a reasonable proportion of the New Zealand population. So, it will be quite significant. So, and at the same time, obviously, you know, supply is crimped just due to um, due to the practical damage. So, it's, it's a very complex path for central banks to so, to, to navigate. Inflationary, though. Well, <laughs> ab- ab- absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you you're cutting supply, you're pushing demand. So, um, yeah, I think where our BNZ colleagues have landed. 
standard with their expectations yet is for the RBNZ to still go to still go fifty. And I mean, maybe if demand needs to be moderated, you know, for a bit of a longer period, then maybe that does mean you, oh, you're holding at that peak, yeah, you know, mm. a, a, a bit longer. Right, uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Not not something you want right now. Uh, but just to throw on the top of all the things that are impacting prices, look, we'll leave it there for now. Look, I think we've got you on a few times over the next few weeks, Ken. So good to talk to you today, and we'll get you on again soon. Uh, thanks for coming on today. No worries. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's it for today and for this week. Have yourself a terrific weekend. We'll see you again on Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.